Welcome to the Evolve WMMA podcast featuring women who go against conventional thinking to pursue their dreams. These fighters inspire, empower, and unleash excellence within a new generation of female warriors as they rise and evolve into the best possible versions of themselves through the power of mixed martial arts. So my next guest started her journey training in jiu-jitsu at the age of 16 years old. After being encouraged by her father when they were watching Ronda Rousey. She later joined a wrestling team in high school in her senior year and then went on to compete in MMA. She made her flyweight debut at Invicta FC back in 2016 and has a record of four and one. She'll be facing Deanna Bennett in the flyweight semifinal tournament at Invicta FC 34 this February 15th. Hey, 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 this is Evolve WMMA. I'm your host, Shelly Devine, and I'd like to welcome to the show Invicta FC fighter, Miranda Maverick. Welcome to the show, Miranda. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, thank you. That's good. It must be cold out there in uh, Missouri. Now, I'm actually out in Virginia right now, but it's pretty much the same weather. It's going from a, like 16 degrees to 50 degrees every other day. It's been a very big fight not to get sick. Oh, oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's freezing up here. We have, um, I'm, I'm up in the Boston area, so it's like um, six or one degree today or something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, and I, I have not stepped foot outside in the last two days, so. <laughs> I want no part of it. I need to go. That's back miserable. Yeah, I went out to run outside last night, and I was like, mm, "Never mind. Inside it is." So you you must be excited getting ready for this um, this semifinal tournament that's coming up for at Invicta um, FC on Feb- February fifteenth. For sure. Like I was hoping that a opportunity like that would arise at some point, and hopefully very soon. Uh, but I wasn't sure if they were going to have a tournament style or what. And they kind of announced that to us after our contract with the fight had even been signed. So uh, will it just be one fight that night or will you fight twice that night? I don't, I mean, in the old no. days they used to have you fight, fight it all in a tournament all in the same night. And then you would find out that night who was going to be the, con- the number one contender for whoever it had. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're not doing that this time. They're just doing an actual bracket system. And so in two to four months, whenever they decide to have the next show with us, they'll bring the two winners of those two bouts in. We'll fight for that number one contender spot. And then that person will fight the champ. Wow. So you're, you're assured a couple of fights this year then. That's great. That's right. Exactly. I'm pretty happy about it. Regardless, I'm kind of guaranteed fights. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've been with Invicta for uh, since 2000, I think, 16. Is that correct? That's correct. I believe I signed the actual contract with them. Um, I think it was late June of 2016. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've, you've, your, your whole pro career has been with them. That's correct. From beginning to end, I haven't had a single pro fight outside of it. I was supposed to have one local fight, and it ended up getting canceled last second. So. Uh, well, that's awesome that you've, you've um, been brought in and, and taken under their wing so early on in your career. 
Yeah, for sure. I was so excited when it happened. Like, I still tell people I thought it was a joke when it first happened. Like, I had gotten a Facebook message, of all things, from Shannon Knapp. Really? Yep, a Facebook message. And I was like, that's not the real person, whatever. That's not how they do things. And then I, like, took a second, took a break from work, went to the back room, <clears throat> excuse me, and looked at it and read it and just started, like, instantly crying and everything. I was so excited called my dad, called my coaches, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have an opportunity to go pro. And my dad was all for it. My coaches were, of course, like, skeptical and like, well, maybe we should wait. And I was like, we haven't even been able to find me opponents as an amateur anymore. Let's not wait. Let's take this. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like a you get called by them. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you made it. You yeah. find me where you want to be. Yeah, I mean that's really awesome that they actually just just called. Who was who was the um who was the uh the matchmaker at the time? Caitlin. Caitlin Rose Young was my matchmaker, yeah. So she must have seen you fighting somewhere at the time. Must have. I don't know. Yeah. Well you have a you have an excellent amateur career too. Like I mean your your amateur record was um was it six and it was it was seven and one and the only loss I had was my only decision so wow yeah so that's that's excellent that's an excellent you know way to way to step up and and get in and get in right off the bat that's awesome for sure it was very awesome because for me it was my dream to get into Invicta and to just start off already there was amazing can you tell us a little bit about um what inspired you to get involved in MMA and how that all kind of occurred? Because I know you, you started training in jiu-jitsu. Was it Brazilian jiu-jitsu or just regular? Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, yeah. Yeah, so, when, you, when you were 16. So right. just uh, the whole lowdown of that. Well, my dad was always very encouraging of any kind of combat sports kind of stuff. Like at home, we'd wrestle around and things. Mm -hmm. And he's very big about me being able to take care of myself and having self-defense. And I'd always done sports my whole life. I've always been super athletic, but I've never been the best at any of the sports. I've always just been good. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I saw jujitsu. We were watching UFC and stuff and just fell in love with it pretty much. My dad would show me moves at home and um, I'd slowly learn them and we'd slowly learn them together. Uh, and then I told dad when I turned 16, I wanted to go train. And he was like, all right, that's fine. Well, I was very uncomfortable rolling with men at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to this small joke of a gym, really, and uh, trained at a gym that had a juvenile class. Mm -hmm. And within two months, I got to where I was in the adults class and beating most of the men and women in that class and wanted to compete. They didn't actually approve of competing. I said they didn't do that there. Um, so I instantly went to another gym. My dad kind of fronted me a couple months of the money and was like, find the gym that you want to go to. I went to Springfield Fight Club in Springfield, Missouri, just so happened to be my first stop on a route to see gyms. And they had all these brown and black belts there, and every guy in there just kicked my butt. My dad was like, go hard with her. She's used to winning. Like, she has an ego. Like, just beat her. And they, did, they definitely did. They taught me. You know, they beat me so bad that I was like, I will always be able to learn something here. Mm. And so I stuck around there forever. And very soon, 
I decided I pretty much wanted to fight. My dad had been sitting down. We watched the first Ronda Rousey fight in the UFC. I can't remember who it was against. Kat Zingano, maybe? Yeah, maybe. And we were watching, and my dad was like, you could do that one day. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't want punched in the face, I don't think. And then, you know, within a few months, I was like, yeah, let's try it. And found out I had to wait until I was 18 years old. And I moved closer to the town that Springfield Fight Club was in. Um, right when I started college, so three weeks after I turned 18, I started training at the gym every single day, and three weeks later, I had my first fight. Wow, that's focus. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. It was funny, because I told my coaches, I was like, no, I'll be there when college starts, and he's like, well, college is going to keep you busy. Like, you're not going to be able to make it in here too much. I was like, no, I'll be here for every single practice at night, every single one. He was like, yeah, okay. And I was, I skipped orientation, I did all of it just to come into practice. And I didn't have any kind of stand-up background, all I'd done was jujitsu. So I just worked my butt off that whole time to learn stand-up, and they had me a fight very fast. Jeez, once you get the bug, right? It's like you can't get it out of your system. <laughs> exactly, and I'm the type of person that I either won't do it if I'm not good, or if I was good, I was going to be the world champ. And I loved it, and I won that first fight and thought I could go on, and here I am. That's so awesome. When you were, when you were first starting out, too, um, you know, you had mentioned you weren't all that comfortable, uh, you know, rolling, wrestling with the guys. I mean, how did you, how did that shift and change in you? Like, I mean, were you having, you know, did you get scared or were you emotionally like, you know, women tend to get like, oh, I'm sorry. Or, you know, like if they do something good or they, they strike or they hurt someone, this, this is across the board. I noticed this a lot. It doesn't maybe happen so much anymore unless it's with, I guess it's with certain type of women. That, that, that'll happen with are you one of those girls when you first started were you like um, oh, sorry or was no no that was that wasn't it at all honestly um I was just nervous about you know jujitsu can be awkward uh, and most of the guys were way older and it was just kind of uh the positions were weird for me and I wasn't very comfortable with it I've never been the type to be very soft as far as Oh, I'm sorry, all oh, this. Like, I've always tried to compete in the men's sports. I've done wrestling. Like, everything I did was to compete against guys because for me growing up, the girls weren't competition. Like, it wasn't even a consideration for a girl to beat me in any real sport. I mean, track and stuff like that. But, like, any kind of physical grabbing a hold of somebody was never a problem for me. Uh, so I was comfortable in that way. It was just the positioning of jujitsu that made me a little bit standoffish, which is why I love teaching women now. Mm -hmm. And I love going with new women in the gyms where it's mainly men, just so I can show them like, Hey, it's good. Like don't even think about things that are, you know, weird. Just, just roll, just roll. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, they, I mean, they get I head out of the gutter, so to speak. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but there are reasons to think that way. There's some guys that yeah. will be weird in gyms, unfortunately. Yeah. And so I always tell them, I'm like, you come to me if anything. Even, even if you think it's weird, just come to me. And I've had guys kicked out of the gym for it before, so... Yeah, it's so good that it's now like that because I know back in the day I ran a, I, I, I encountered that that sort of thing, you know, more than once. And so it's good to hear that it's not so much happening so much anymore because there are more women um, that are doing, say, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or are in the gym 
Um, and so we don't, I don't hear it so much as I did years and years ago, but that's awesome. So, um, your dad sounds like he was, you know, a really big, um, inspirer, you know, like kind of what were your earlier years? Like before you even got into, before you saw around Ronda Rousey fighting and said, Hey, I, I think I want to get into this. Um, what was um, it like, um, as, as a young girl? Uh, it was always, uh, I guess you would say, a hard life, not in any negative way. I'm, I'm very proud of the way I was raised and give it every credit for where I am now. Uh, we lived on a farm my whole life. My dad moved around with real estate development, but it was all rural. We would go to a new farm that was just run down, and we would clean it up, bush hog, like cut wood, like um, bulldoze down stuff, and then build fences on it, make mm. it look nice, and sell it again. Well, I was the oldest, and I helped my dad as if I was a grown man my whole life, building fence with him. You know, if I wouldn't pull on something hard enough or long enough, he'd say, hold it longer. Like, there was never excuses for me to do less than what I could do. Um, and, you know, for me, building steel fence was probably the hardest and the thing that gave me the most muscle mass uh, growing up. Each post weighed, like, 70 to 90 pounds, and I would pick up thousands a day and lift them up and hold them there for my dad to pound in and help pound in the posts and just carrying and lifting and cutting with a chainsaw and like all of it my whole life is just something that most people especially nowadays don't grow up doing so it gave me that not only genetic strength from my dad and everything but I worked hard I worked very hard as a kid and it made it to where sports and strength Street things came easy to me my whole life, but it also gave me that sense of discipline and respect um, that I feel like is lacking a lot nowadays and has given me that aim to not only do um, my gym stuff and my athletic stuff, but also my goals in life, my work, my, my school. So. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. You're reminding me of um, my dad. My dad's since deceased now, but um, years ago we would... Um, when we were in our teens or whatever, he had um, a whole side lot of, of trees taken down. And, and um, the, uh, the guys that took the trees down, you want us to, you know, um, mulch the stumps out? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I got plans for those. <laughs> and what he would do is he had my brother and I, my brother probably did more of it, but I remember doing it too, is digging out the stumps. That was like our, our task throughout the year. I mean, it was just a random thing to keep us like, you know, busy funny. and hard yep. labor. And, oh, it was really funny. And I can remember being out there with him and I'm like digging out the stump and then we'd have to hose it down and then he would take the chainsaw. You showed me how, I never used the chainsaw, my brother did, but like yeah. using the chainsaw and like cutting out the each of the roots and stuff and then yanking them out and I'm like yeah. I don't know anybody <laughs> that no anybody that does that kind of stuff I hear you <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I get you girl when you're, you're, like, you're saying your dad had you like lifting them <laughs> like, yeah exactly like when I was in Arkansas we picked up rocks yeah uh filled up truck or tractor buckets full of rocks for my dad out in the field and people are like what are you guys doing you're like well my dad you know when when we were in trouble he'd just make us go pick up rocks for free and he'd be like go get your butts to work like you're in trouble whatever um but 
other times he'd be like, I'll pay you this much per load. So it was a huge motivator to get out and work, you know? And also like, as far as punishment, that's a whole nother half of my lifestyle. First off, I didn't get in trouble too much, but um, my dad's fairly strict. And like I said, I I love it. Like it's the reason I am where I am and I have very high expectations for myself because of it. But he would always, there was no grounding. I couldn't even, I was so jealous of kids my whole life growing up about them getting grounded or having their phone taken away or not being able to go out. I was like, what's going out? What does that even mean? Yeah. And my dad would be like, no, a hundred pushups right here. You touch your knee to the ground during a hundred pushups, I'll add a hundred more. I better not see that knee touch. And so all my life I've been like, so like even girl pushups, I get so offended by <laughs> because of that. Funny. That's so funny. Wow. That's awesome. So he really had that. Was he in the military or? He wasn't, but everybody would assume so when they meet him. Yeah. He was just raised by an older generation. His grandparents pretty much raised him. And so he was raised to live, you know, work hard and live better later. And that's kind of how he's raised us. What's his, what, what, what is your ethnic background? Um, I, I don't know. We're, we're white. My dad's pretty much from, I know we have a lot of Norwegian blood in us. Norwegian. Uh, so some Viking in there and oh, German. Oh, well, that explains. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You're like, like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you gotta know something. You gotta be Right. I know that my grandma on his side is full Viking, like full Norwegian. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, I could see that now. <laughs> to come from somewhere you know for your dad to be that he, he got it from you know his his folks and then down so right. how does your mom play a role in all this <laughs> um my mom is in the picture and she supports me um my uh she uh, comes to pretty much all my fights that she can she actually lives in california right now with her work and she uh still supports though and like on social media and everything else and does her best to be there for me mm-hmm. in the fighting but the fighting itself, she's not necessarily a part of. My dad's kind of the main one who got me involved in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she encourages and she doesn't dislike it. I'm sure she wishes I would have picked about any other sport. But mm-hmm. um, Yeah, but that I mean, you're not getting, I mean, in, in this what people don't write, I mean, you get damaged for sure. But the damage is not like, I, I mean, observing boxing over the years, you know, like, um you know, it's your your head's a target constantly. But in 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 MMA, your your body. I mean, it's all different parts of your body. So you, it's not just your head where you you're getting that damage. So even in football, you know, the guys their heads are right. Exactly, it's pretty much every sport that gets some kind of damage. And yeah. uh, you know, for me, I'm 125 pounds when I fight. Like I'm not getting rocked around too much. I've just got to be careful in sparring and in practice, mainly that I don't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you, do you practice with other females or men mostly? Oh, mostly men. Every gym I've been to has been mostly men. I'll bring a couple of girls in every now and then, or they'll cross train or even have a couple of training partners that are females, but during fight camp and especially in the ground game of stuff, it's almost always men. Wow. Yeah. So, um, what do you, what do you attribute to, um, 
your success maybe of leading you know this empowered life that you have you know maybe three three to five things that really kind of you do on a regular basis that keeps you in this you know high energy successful uh focused right well for me uh it is kind of raising and like that whole background of everything how i was taught to do things and it starts out, you know, I've had dreams, like I've had a dream to go to school and get this all accomplished. And I've had a dream to do MMA since that started. And to make those dreams a reality, there's a process I go through. And so first I turn them into goals in my mind. I make realistic goals that are usually higher than what I can achieve, but possible. Uh, and then I set plans to achieve those goals for every day, every little thing that I do, whether it be my nutrition, uh, my training schedule my lifting schedule like everything i do will go into that plan and then i just see it through you know i can't i can't stray off of it anything that makes me stray off of it like going out and partying or um i don't even know like i don't do the typical stuff that i guess most kids and adults my age do um for that reason i stick to my goal and i try to make money enough to help my family out and make sure that they're not, my ultimate goal is to make sure my family doesn't have to struggle anymore, you know, like my dad has worked his butt off his whole life for us kids to make us have a better life, and I want to be able to contribute back to that, and be able to build up our farm back home, and uh, buy more property, and have more land to help out the family and everything, and make my contribution known, um, so that's my ultimate goal, and every step that I can take to get there, I've been trying to make through going to school and doing this MMA. It may start as a fun dream, and now it's becoming a realistic um, thing for me to achieve and make it. I guess you'd say make it big with the sport. Yeah, you're earning you're earning money at it. I mean, like you're right. actually earning some money, um, mm -hmm. which is great. Like, and um, you, you, your family is obviously very important to you. You know, some people have real close family ties; other people don't. Um, I noticed um, on your bio that you, do you still do this? You help homeschool your siblings? Um, I don't anymore because now I'm out in Virginia. I can't really get to them. This is actually their first year not being homeschooled. They are both freshmen in high school right now. Um, but their whole life I did homeschool them and I always tutored at school and stuff. So it made it a really easy transition for me. And I have pretty good patience with kids as far as academics especially so i guess i'll take credit for a little bit of their knowledge base and everything um, but it was a fun journey doing that and now they're they're enjoying high school for the most part public schools could be a little bit better but they're definitely liking being able to get into sports and stuff they've kind of seen me pave the way and they're finally getting to see what that feels like that's awesome i i um i, I i've come across you know during these interviews spoken to you know quite a few fighters now in the last year or so and one of the things that really stands out is um you women are not only just fighters you're 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 actually educating yourself like getting high you know like phds and <laughs> and i'm like i I can't remember too too many of you know hearing interviews that the guys were doing that sort of thing over the years. I, I mean, maybe they are. I don't know, but um, but it seems to be kind of the thing for for the women. 
And you're, are you still in the process of getting your PhD for industrial psychology or are you? Yes. So this is actually my first year out here um, getting it. So I have three years left. I, I got, I graduated Drury University in Springfield, Missouri with my bachelor's in psychology and sociology. Uh, and this is my first year moving out here, kind of being alone. Uh, it's been it's been quite a journey out here, to say the least, both uh, mentally and physically for me. Uh, learning new things at this new gym, but also like getting used to not having that uh, strong support system around me all the time has been a new change for me. I really miss my family. I get homesick a lot. But uh, yeah, I'm out here first year of my PhD in industrial psychology. And it is always funny to me, like, especially because I do MMA, like in school, there's many people that are like, you do what? You like, what is that? They're very judgmental. Like, what about is it. that too? I'm like industrial psychology. Right. What is yeah. that? It's like uh, business psychology pretty much. So it's, it's who makes all the testing procedures and selection processes for big companies, uh, as well as who basically handles all the human resources and sometimes even delves into advertising for businesses uh, based on customer goals and uh, organization goals and the culture of the organization and all that kind of stuff and the leadership and the division of labor within that business. Um, but I really like the statistics side of things. Oh, statistics. That's fascinating. So when you were in high school or in you were, you know, coming up and, okay, you had the, the MMA stuff going on. And how did you figure this out that this was your path? I'm, I'm always fascinated as to which directions people go in. I mean, did you have a guidance counselor at the school help you out? Uh, dad, no. you out or? <laughs> I actually had very little help at school. Um, my dad, once again, was probably the most influential basically he was just like you need to figure out what you're doing you're not going to school unless you figure out what you're doing I'm not going to have you be one of those people that spends six years in college getting a bachelor's and changes their majors 10 times or doesn't have a goal so I thought about the medical field I thought about being a lawyer like I went through all this process and by junior year I had done enough research and like I really love psychology I guess partly from us moving around so much my whole life I was just very interested in how people thought and just had a keen interest in it, but I also wanted to make money doing it, you know. And clinical psychology, I was partly afraid I wasn't going to be sympathetic enough. I don't exactly have a good emotional sensitivity to be able to sit there when somebody comes in from breaking up with their boyfriend and say, oh, it's going to be all right, like this and this. I'd just be like, toughen up. Yeah, exactly. And so I was afraid that I wouldn't make it very well as a clinical psychologist or at least wouldn't be happy doing it, you know, and you hear all the depressing stuff that they go through. Like, I, I just wasn't for it. And so I decided to look into industrial psychology, and they make pretty good money, I saw, and uh, started looking more into the field, did some research, and at my junior year of high school, basically decided that's what I was going to do. Wow, very cool. That's great. So, um, what? Um, after your fight career, I mean, you're still you're you're what twenty one, twenty two, twenty one, twenty one. So you have quite a few years ahead of you to be in the MMA, you know, biz. Yeah, for and sure. Yeah, like, I mean, you're just, you're so lucky you have no idea like, to be able to be that young and be able to, and, and, ha and start the way you have. It's like really such a great opportunity. Um, 
and 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 now you have you're going for your phd so i mean like you could how is how are you going to gel all this together have you thought about that at all or you know um, i have so for me uh, i am very young in the mma world and for me i don't even think i've reached my peak or anywhere close to it so far i mean i've been learning so much in between fights and have so much to still learn uh, that i wouldn't even consider myself an amateur in the field of knowledge that MMA has to offer. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I want to see how far I can take this sport. Mm -hmm. um, and my goal is by the time I'm done with my PhD to either be close to the top or there's not really any point in doing it. If I can't make a living easily off of doing MMA by then, uh, then unfortunately it's just probably going to be something that I focus more on my career field as an industrial psychologist and less as an MMA fighter. I'd still love to coach and train, but eventually, you know, I have to make a priority. If I can do both, if I end up working a day job that ends up running from nine to four or whatever, and I can still practice, maybe I'll continue competing, but that's yet to be seen. I don't know. Maybe I'll take a few years off of even trying to get a real, a real job as they would call it um, and stick with MMA. Um, maybe not. We'll just kind of see. But if I can, I want it to be to where this whole PhD is pointless. I'll never have to use it and I'll do MMA forever. <laughs> that would be ideal, right? <laughs> right. That's, that's awesome. Um, so what, what is um, one or two daily habits that you have? like physical habits that you do that that help you get through the day that lead you into your successful like you know fight path or career path um so i'll either meditate and or pray uh try to every morning sometimes it has to be after a class or whatever because i'll be lazy every once in a while and mm -hmm. sleep um but i make sure i pray and like not just things that i want but things that i'm thankful for and I miss my family and stuff, and uh, I think I had also said one thing that I always do, and people think I'm goofy for it, like I'll miss a day every once in a while and just send a text, but I always call my dad every night, and I would call him my mental compass right now, mm -hmm. and I'm 21 years old, I still call my dad daddy, I still talk to him every single night, and he just kind of gives me the life advice that I need, whether I'm having a good or bad time, he always has something positive to say to me that keeps me encouraged and keeps me going or helps me narrow my goals or focus my life and make sure that I'm doing what I need to be doing. Um, so that's always been a big help and I've always loved that and it'll always be the case. I can't imagine us ever not having that much contact together because uh, we get along really well. I always tell people I'm the female version of my dad and it's pretty much true. Um, we're best friends like uh, we get along really well. So to like not talk to him and to be moved this far away mm. has already been hard enough. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that definitely helps me with my goals every day and being able to set new goals for the next day. And then training every afternoon when I go to training, of course I skip Sundays most of the time because I work, but in training, I always set a new goal, whether it be, I'm going to work on this one move and make sure I hit it and rolling or, I'm going to roll today with just my legs and I'm going to use my arms when we roll. I'm going to do this. 
or I'm going to go with easy people because I need to work this move and I know I can't get it well until I figure it out. Or in striking, I'm going to work on speed. I'm going to work on using this hand, like whatever it may be. I always try to set a different goal. That way I improve instead of stagnate. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I have this question about, you know, the a father and daughter relationship. And I, I wonder, you know, over the years, um, if you had noticed a difference, okay, with say maybe some of your female friends and their relationships with their fathers and how yours, <clears throat> you know, there's definitely a difference and there, there could be something to be said for a strong um, father-daughter relationship on a woman becoming more successful in life than opposed to say maybe other her, maybe other females, like if they don't have that kind of, um, maybe that masculine, um, I don't know what it is. Um, have you, do you understand um, where you're going with this? Yeah. Not yeah, I know. Man. I actually, I'm kind of going to tie it to school too. I actually took a class in family psychology one time and I did a whole research project over the influence of fathers on females. Yeah. Um, mainly because of my relationship with my dad and it kind of showed that women who had either negative uh, relationships with their father and or had no father figure, not from that father figure passing away, that was a different case, mm -hmm. uh, but from that father figure just not being present in their lives as far as divorce or just, you know, um, birth out of wedlock, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the females usually turned out to be of a lower social income. They usually turned out to get married at a younger age. Um, and although that's not necessarily causation, there is a correlation there. Mm -hmm. um, the women would always have relationships much younger and a lot of times get in trouble a lot more due to that. Um, and they, they went off of a theory of like dependency. They, they needed some kind of male figure in their life, so they go after other males, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong in having a boyfriend or a husband eventually or, right. or whatever, but um, I feel like women need to be a little bit more focused on their life and making sure they have something else to fall back on other than another person. Um, and for me, that's kind of my goal before I even seek out anything of that sort. I want to make sure I can keep my own two feet on the ground and uh, live an independent life if I want to. Yeah. Do you think that um, your dad has kind of shown you things um, about being in the world that maybe other females do not have not gotten? For sure. Like he's always pointing out, he's making sure I'm aware all the time. He's like, you see this person doing that? Like, always pointing that out or even teaching me about the way people think, um, especially men, because he is a guy and he's like, no, nah, this is what people are thinking. It might not be good. And it's shameful that it's even thought about, but it's the truth. And nobody ever says it because of how bad it is kind of thing. Uh, and so that's always been a very uh, beneficial thing for me to have in my life uh, anytime I need a resource or some advice. Um, but on the other wave of that, he's always showing me, like, look at this successful person. Look at this successful person. How did they get there? What happened? And sometimes you see the whole inheritance. I, I was born from money kind of story. And other times you see people working from their, you know, from nothing to get where they are. And what's interesting is a lot of times when people work from nothing, they don't have an education. They just decided to find something outside the box 
make their own business, make their own goals and work for it. So even though I'm getting an education and have been encouraged to do so by my father, especially because I am a female, I don't need to be doing manual labor or anything like that, although I'm willing to, Mm -hmm. um, you make sure I have a focus on education because he doesn't want to see me do that. I am aware that I need to make sure I do things differently. I've got to be exceptional in some way or I'm never going to get anywhere in life pretty much. And luckily in female sports still, it is easier to be accepted. Uh, exceptional than in men's sports because of the lack of competition still, especially in women's mixed martial arts because it's so new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen a lot more, the, the competition is definitely a lot better now than, than even, you know, maybe 10, 10 years ago in women's and same with obviously in men's, but um, has there been a time um, where you have experienced say loss or failure um, or seen it like um, with maybe a girlfriend or something and then, you know, kind of took something from that and learned something from that. And then how did, how did you overcome those losses or, or failures? Uh, so the main loss and or failure I've had, I'll just mention my first pro fight as one. It's kind of an easy go-to, but also has a big mental aspect behind it. Um, that, fight with Brogan Sanchez, which she's a very respectful woman. She was super nice, like almost too nice. It was ridiculous. She brought me like this gift bag from Guam after our fight. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I would have given it to you, win or lose, but here you go. And I was like, thank you so much. But I was so upset. I was so heartbroken. And I didn't show it when we were out in the cage. I was happy for her, respectful, and that's how you've got to act as a professional athlete. If you don't, I don't have any respect for you pretty much. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, it was very hard. I had gotten wounded, wounded. I got injured uh, the year before. I'd been out of the cage for almost a whole year. People were throwing around the whole word ring rust and all that kind of stuff even yeah. during the fight, and that alone upset me kind of thing, especially when I rewatched it. But I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, I had improved between that amount of time when I had gotten injured and when I got back in that cage. And I truly knew that. I knew I had. Like, I had changed around my nutrition. If you look at my fight with Brogan Walker Sanchez and look at the one right before that with Gabby Romero, my body had changed in composition. I made sure I lost a lot of fat. I gained, like, 8 to 10 pounds of muscle, like, I made sure that while I couldn't practice, I was focusing my mind and making sure that I was physically fit more so than I'd ever been before by eating right and getting my nutrition under control. And I went into that cage thinking that I would be good enough to beat her in that first round, like I had been with my other fights. Mm -hmm. All my other fights, my game plan had went down as I had wanted to. And in that fight, she was stronger than I thought she would be. And she fought off submissions. She fought off takedowns a little bit better than I thought she would. And my only explanation for the loss afterwards was that I had gotten disheartened probably after round one, being like, wow, like she's a hard opponent. Like I wasn't expecting this. Just went in there in this panic mode instead of calming down and being like, win the fight. Wow. Win each round. Instead, I was like, no, I got to win right now and kept doing bad mistakes that I watch and it's kind of embarrassing when you watch that fight and people are like, well, you didn't get beat, beat. And it was like a split decision and this and that. And I'm aware of that, but it's still, it bugs me. I watch it and see the potential that I have and the ability that I know I contain 
and then watch that and see how I underperform. And it's very upsetting. Um, so after the fight, I was heartbroken. Like I ran outside, I was crying. Like I, I just wanted left alone uh, because every day for a year of practice, I saw leading up to that moment. Mm-hmm. Every effort that people had put into me, every ounce of money I had put into the gym, into working out, into blood tests, all of it was wasted because I didn't go in there and do what I needed to do. Um, so got done with that fight and I learned to have a different mindset going into training and I learned to have a different mindset going into fights, be more aggressive. Um, don't let my game plan get in the way of me winning. Change your game plan. Have 10 of them. Have one for each move she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went into that next fight, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, like five to six weeks later and was able to overcome that. And I was so happy they gave me the opportunity to kind of own that loss. Like they let me come back right away and I was able to almost uh, make that loss go away is what I felt like. Obviously it's still there. It's still on my record. It always will be. But I just wanted to prove to everybody it was a fluke. It wouldn't happen again. Um, And I'm so excited for this next fight to just keep showing that. Yeah, right. Um, and, and two in this, um, this semi-final uh, turn, tournament, um, you know, there, there is the opportunity, the potential to, to fight Brogan again. Yes, exactly. But Brogan got injured, I do believe, so she's actually out of the semi-final bout. Oh, she, she is. Cool. Yeah, she got replaced about a week ago, I think. Oh, and Karina okay. Rodriguez is actually taking over her position. Okay. So I was actually really excited to have that potential to rematch against her. And when, when she got taken out, I was a little bit upset. But I'll be happy to fight any one of these women. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So Karina Rodriguez is taking that against what, Milana? Um, uh, Dudeva. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. That was – that's too bad that she got injured. That's yep. bad. But, you know, you never know. You might be facing her again at some point. Oh, for sure. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, getting through, uh, the failure and everything, um, and, and that loss and, and coming through that, that last fight that you just, you know, had that nice, beautiful arm bar. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, I mean, that must've been so, you know, um, such a great relief to you. It was very much so. Really. It was so exciting for me. And I get emotional after all of my wins. Um, but that one meant so much more because it was finally, I was on track. It was kind of a make it or break it thing. I was either going to be in the top of the division or close to the top, or I was going to be way down there if I had gotten a loss and, you know, had basically an even record. Yeah. Um, it would have been kind of sad. So went in there with, like, the ferocity of this is my future mm-hmm. and tried to tried to show that when uh, I went in that cage. Yeah, because over the whole of your career, you've only had two losses. Yes. Yeah, so um, dealing with loss and failure, um, you know, when you're, when you're in prayer or meditation, um, I mean, did that, did that help you to, to kind of deal with that? Um, I don't know if it helped me. Like, um, I mean, it helps me with everything, but... It didn't, like, help me cope with that because I find my faith had nothing to do with me losing, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a very strong believer in God, and I feel like Mm -hmm. he gives me every ability that I need to go in there and do my job. 
and every ability uh, he possesses me with, I know gives me that power to go in there and do what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like I had lost that fight based on me not having the ability or me not having the technique or strength. It was purely a mindset thing. Uh, so for me, like, I've had people be like, well, aren't you, like, mad at God that you lost kind of thing? I'm like, no, not at all. It's not him. Mm-hmm. I don't pray to win fights. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not the point. I'm not like, let me beat up this person. Mm-hmm. Please, God. Like, no. I want to be able to use my ability. I want us to both stay safe as possible. And uh, let me live this sport that's brought happiness to my life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I lose, I just try to pray for focus and pray for uh, the strength to harness my own abilities kind of thing and um, the strength to kind of see what direction he's trying to turn me in because mm-hmm. uh, I have questioned before am I supposed to be doing this like is this what I need to do mm-hmm. and I think that kind of came out in like the post-fight interview that was such an emotional interview for me this last time I was like you know I, I live this lifestyle I've put in the work I put in the effort like I am meant to do this and that's just what I felt in my heart at the time mm-hmm. So how do you view winning and losing then? Like, I mean, if you, you, I mean, you've only had really two losses in your, in the whole of your career, meaning amateur and into your professional career. So how do you, I mean, how do you contend with, you know, a win and a loss or, you know, being successful? I mean, is loss meaning failure to you and complete failure overall, or I guess, you know, Obviously, I learn from my losses, and obviously, that's the whole phrase is you win or you learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in all honesty, I think a lot because of my personality, it was like the ultimate failure, I guess. Like, I felt terrible. I I felt I was apologizing to coaches. I was apologizing to my dad because I felt like I had let everyone down. And of course, they were like, no, like, hush. Like, that's not that's not it at all. But For me, it was just such a depressing moment because, like I said, Mm. in every hour for a year that I worked towards that, every ounce of effort I put in was wasted because I went in there and underperformed. Not only did I not get as much money as I had hoped that I would get, but I let my record fall to where I was put down three notches. They say for every loss you have, you have to win three times. Um, I feel like mine was a little bit less than that because of where I was already standing in the division and my youth, but it's still the same concept. I wasn't, I wasn't getting looked at by the UFC. I didn't feel like anymore. I wasn't where I needed to be. So I had to get that win back. Mm. So this is kind of like your own pressure that you're putting on yourself. And the reason why I'm kind of delving into this is because you, you know, like we've seen Ronda Rousey, those, those, huge losses and you're you're having a loss on a, a you know public forum i mean everybody's seeing you the world's seeing right. you when you lose and as an athlete where you have such high expectations or high goals you're you're setting mm-hmm. these high achievement goals i'm just curious as to you know how that affects you mentally because it's it's obvious that um, you know your your coaches or your dad they feel they feel like oh wow you you did great in there um, maybe you have some things that you got to learn you got to challenge you have to challenge yourself even better um, when you're in your training so when you come up against these um, these opponents 
it doesn't rattle you. It doesn't shake you. Cause I think you had said with uh, Brogan, you kind of felt like after the first round that, that she took something from you and it was more of an emotional kind of, or a mental, she took a piece of your mental game. And right. Exactly. And it was just because I had went in there with too much of a lax mindset. I was like, eh, I'm going to win the fight. Eh, this is going to be no problem. Went in there, faced a tougher opponent than I had prepared myself for. And I got beat up because of it. Mm. unfortunately um but unlike ronda rousey like i have never felt like oh, this is terrible like i'm uh i'm done like yeah. never that i've always been in the the gym the next day whether i win or i lose that's something i always do is i make sure the next day that gym's open i'm there i'm practicing i'm watching my fight with my coaches and teammates and i'm training every single mistake that i made and no matter how good the fight looked to viewers, there's always mistakes that are made, um, big ones usually, and ones where I'm like, ah, why didn't I take that opportunity? Ah, look at that. Yeah. Or even my arm bars, I'm like, oh, goodness, what was that position? What was that hand grip? Uh, you know, all kinds of different stuff that a lot of people don't see, and I try to make sure that I correct them and move on, and I try to make sure that in practice I'm pushed so hard by the guys in that gym. And that's one reason I love training with men. Hmm. There's not a girl in that cage ever. I don't, even at the world title, that's going to hit me harder than when I'm getting hit by some of these guys. Hmm. There's not a girl that can move faster than some of these guys I've been working boxing with. Hmm. There's not a girl who can roll harder than these guys who put me into a pretzel every day. Yeah. Um, and so for me, when I get in that cage, it's going to be fun. Hmm. I've worked everything. Like even now, I'm two weeks out from the fight. Um, there's nothing else I'm going to add to my game between now and then. Now it's just focusing on cardio and focusing on my weight cut. Mm -hmm. And between now and then, that's going to be the hard part. That's the war. Once I step on that scale and make weight, that's fun. Mm -hmm. Like, let's, let's go in that cage and put on a show. Let's make some money. Let's show people why women belong in MMA. Let's show people why this sport is a thing. And then after that, we can celebrate, have fun, be best friends. I don't care. Right. Can you share in the time in your martial arts journey where you experienced an aha moment of realization? Uh, yes. So I'd say the biggest ones. So, you know, I was 18 years old as an amateur and like I had those eight fights and turned pro very fast, but I had never honestly gotten enough competition or practice partners like any of it to know where I was in the division or see how good I really was. And I always wanted that because you know, you're getting, even as a professional fighter, and I'm sure most women can attest to the same thing, I'm still getting beat by a lot of little amateur guys in the gym. Like, it's almost embarrassing. I'm like, he's not even good. <laughs> I'm like, but he has just enough strength and just enough speed and just enough knowledge that he's able to restrain me and win rounds. And it's always made me so angry. And so I wanted to see what it was like to practice with females. And just not necessarily for permanent to where that's all I had as training partners, but having three or four women in the gym would be nice every once in a blue moon. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to, I cross train a lot or try to now in the past two years, I've really been trying to cross train a lot and get different views and see different techniques and things and learn from the best. And this past summer I went to Colorado for like half of a fight camp. And it was the most amazing experience I had ever had in MMA. 
I went to Team Elevation. I went to Grinders Fitness. I went out to uh, Triple Threat, all these gyms, and got to practice. In Denver, Colorado, there is the highest concentration of professional female fighters that I've ever seen. Like, it's absolutely insane. Like, more females than males almost as far as professional fighters and things. UFC vets, LFA vets, uh, Invicta veterans, like, all of them. There was Raquel Pennington and Tisha Torres out there. I actually went to her house. She was just nice as could be. Got to wrestle and do some practice with her and just nice as she could be. So nice to me. Ah. And I appreciated it. And then I went to Team Elevation and there's the Pink Ranger out there, uh, Brianna Fasori. There's Brittany Elkin, who's the first female I've ever been scared to death to be punched in the face by. <laughs> wow. I had also practiced with Kayla Harrison before, but thank God we had not done striking. These are some big girls. Those are some big girls. And the coach had me go with Brittany Elkin, like, the second round. He was like, you seem really tough. Like, you're fine. And, of course, I was still influenced by the elevation change, which is also a reality that you don't realize when you're healthy and fit. And I was like, ah, I'm good. Like, I, I got great cardio. No, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> for three to five days, you're dead. And uh, went with her for a round, and she punched me so hard. I was like, oh. Good Lord, okay, I'm going to block and run away for a second until you wear out a little bit. And I couldn't take her down without her beating me. She was the only girl that I've ever went up against and been like, well, I don't think I'd even stand a chance in a fight. But she also walks around at 180 pounds of muscle, so. Right, wow. Um, <laughs> but all those other girls, there were tons of them. I'd say 20 to 30 girls that were within my weight class or close to it. That I was able to train with and uh, just kind of showed me where I was. I was doing live sparring rounds and doing very well. I uh, was able to keep up with pretty much all of them, which, of course, I was in fight shape. A few of them weren't, but most of them were. Uh, all the amateurs, I was just beating. And to, to be respected at the age of 19, 20 years old and go in there and them asking me for help and asking me to show them certain techniques was just a whole another side I hadn't seen yet. I wasn't used to being like this um, looked up to person in the sport. I was always the one that was, oh my gosh, it's so nice to meet you. Where this time they were like, wow, you're an Invicta fighter. Like, can I get your autograph kind of thing from these other amateur fighters? And I was like, really? But okay, like that's, that's exciting, so. Wow, that's that's great. I, I had no idea they were all out there training. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of them. I'm going to be hopefully going back this summer again and training with them. That's awesome. So has there ever been a time where you felt inadequate or, um, or were told no because you were a woman? And how did you handle that? You know, not as much anymore. I will say not as much anymore. I think a lot of it is because of where I'm at. Like, I'm already kind of above that level of things, like getting a PhD, like nobody's really like that in that field or anything anymore. And same way in MMA, like, I've reached a point that I'm respected now. But, but growing up was so terrible. Um, even as a small child, you know, um, I did arm wrestling when I was three to six years old, just, just for fun. It was like a, something my dad did, usually made little charity shows, and he'd judge them, and mm -hmm. I'd compete even against my own guy cousins and things like that, and, and you know, I, I'd win all the time. And so that was like my first real taste of competition, that and gymnastics and things. 
And from that point on, I kind of realized the bias towards women in sport. Like you go into public school systems and you go into a PE class, there's always a group of girls just sitting on the sidelines or sitting behind the front line of dodgeball, you know, something like that. And I, my whole life, I kind of got frustrated at those girls because they were fitting into this stereotype mm-hmm. that I never wanted to be perceived as. And I was like, what are you doing? You can try. Like, you're not an athletic. Like, try, you know, just try and you'll have fun doing it. And everybody, no, no, that's not lady like this and that. And I was like, whatever. Like, what world are we living in right now? Yeah. And the whole, like, picking teams, that was something that always got on my nerves. And I moved around a lot. Like, I went to, like, 11 different schools, I think, growing up. Mm-hmm. And so every time I moved somewhere, I had to prove to them that I was this girl not to be messed with and that I was an athlete and all this stuff. So, like, even picking teams, for whatever reason, was always a pet peeve for me when they'd pick all their guys first, you know. And then uh, I guess we have to pick the girls. And every now and then a couple girls would get picked before the nerdy guys. And, and then they rest the girls. And so I'd always make it a goal to be picked first, always. Like, I was like, after three games, I'm going to be picked first. So I would just dominate whatever game or thing we were playing. Uh, And that was just always a goal, to beat the guys. And uh, not that I don't like guys to do well or anything like that. I have a little brother. Like, I love for him to compete and do well. But as a female, it's always such a better feeling to beat a man in competition Right. Uh, just because we have egos too, like <laughs> we, exactly. we want to win too, yeah. and uh, I don't want them to do badly. I just want to do good too. Yeah. And uh, so everything, even uh, considering the Marines, as I grew up, that was always a you're going to, and so I was like, yeah, I'm going to. And so when they'd have the uh, Army and Marines come into school and try to recruit people, and they'd have the pull-up bar, and they're like, that. okay. Yeah, and they're like, for the girls, you only have to hold on, you know, for however long. And for the guys, you have to do so many pull-ups. And I was like, uh, no, I can do pull-ups too. <laughs> and so I just sit there and try to do more pull-ups than all the guys. And they were like, well, I think you passed a long time ago. Like, you're good. And I was like, I don't care. I need to show off. There <laughs> um, was just always that kind of thing. In wrestling, uh, they... I was the only female. I actually convinced my best friend, and it's funny, you'll see on Facebook, every once in a while she'll share little videos of us, like, wrestling in the wrestling room together, and she'll be like, ha-ha, only time I beat you, because I would let her beat me sometimes when her mom would come, and it was just funny. But I convinced her to join the wrestling team with me, because all the guys hated me. I was the only female, and they were like, why is there a girl in the wrestling room? They had to put on shirts. They hated it. And, uh, it was just, it was a, it was very amusing to me, um, that whole aspect of it. And that same year, I was a senior in high school, I did advanced weights mm-hmm. um, in school. And advanced weights, apparently, unbeknownst to me, I just signed up for the class. It would fit within my schedule. And I was like, weightlifting? I've never done weightlifting before. Like, I'll see how I do. Like, I'm a pretty strong girl. And I always have been. That's the funny thing. Everybody thinks... I'm either on steroids or lift weights, and I've gotten drug tested through it all. And I'm like, I don't really lift that much. Sometimes outside of fight camps, I'll just lift a little to keep in shape and make sure my muscle is up. But usually I just do static workouts and do my workouts at the gym. 
Uh, and then as far as the steroids, like, look at me when I was six, I still had a six pack and pretty big biceps. Like nothing's changed. And my little brother and sister and my dad are all the exact same way. Uh, but on the other note of things, I went into that room, I walked into that weight room and I was the only female. It was all these big football players or what I perceived as big in high school, you know, mm-hmm. and walked in and the coach was like, what are you doing here? I was like, uh, I'm here for class. No, you're not in this class. Uh, yes, I am. And like showed him my schedule and he's like, well, you need to go get that changed. Huh. I was like, why? What do you mean? He's like, well, this isn't for females. This is advanced weights. You're not going to be able to keep up. And I was like, oh, you want to bet? Like, <laughs> I just instantly was so offended. And I was like, give me two weeks. And he's like, no, like cutoff date is this week. I said, then give me this week. So I'll be beating five of your guys in this room or you can kick me out. And I like surveyed the room and there's a few scrawny guys here and there. And of course he gave me the worst training partner I could have had. Like couldn't even spot me on bench. It was so embarrassing. And within a week, like I had already upped my PR to a ridiculous amount and he started liking me. He actually like started respecting me. And by the end of the year, I had all the female records beat for that school. My little sister actually now beat my bench record. Nice. It's so funny because my whole life I've been like, ah, you have a little sister. You know, like little sister, big sister thing. I've always been the stronger, bigger one. And now my both my siblings are much larger than me. And she beat my record, but all it has up on the board are last names. So it doesn't matter. She beat my, beat my record, but it's still the same name up there. She always torments about it all the time. But... <laughs> Though I had all the records for the females, both under 130 pounds and above 130 pounds, because I would, like, be under 130 for wrestling, and I would do my PRs, and then I would be above 130 when I wasn't cutting weight or anything, and I'd do PRs again and just make sure I had both little records, you know, on the board. Um, And by the end of the year, that coach made, like, a whole speech about me and how I was the only girl that had impressed him and this and that which in and of itself is somewhat insulting, but it was good to see that I had worked hard enough to kind of change a person's mind about a complete gender. Absolutely. You totally changed his mind. He had to rethink his whole process. And now they have women's wrestling in Missouri, like literally a women's wrestling team at my school. And to know I was one of the first women to ever be on the team is incredible to me. And now my little sister wrestles for them. She's actually going to state for women's wrestling now, and this is her first year ever doing it. So um, I'm just proud that uh, that legacy has lived on and that women's sports have already come this far in such a short amount of time. Wow, what an inspiration. That's so awesome. And such an inspiration for your, your, your sister and your brother, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. That is excellent. So good to, to be able to do that for people that are coming up kids that are coming up that they see somebody oh she did it because you don't know like as a young as a youngster you just don't know what's available to you and if you don't see it you don't physically see it in your in your your realm then you don't think it exists and sometimes you don't even you're not even you don't even come up with that you have to see stuff you know exactly like how would you know how would you know what to believe if you don't see it kind of thing yeah you you just have you know the inspiration just you have to you have to definitely see it and and have it around you so that's great that your your siblings and then all the people that you've impacted over the years that's so awesome 
And even the, the guys that you were training with, how you changed their perceptions, I'm sure, you know, when you were in the gym with them. Right, for sure. And I still have a lot of my best friends that are guys at uh, my old gym. And now at this gym, I'm starting to make some friends. Like, uh, it's great to see that they see me as an equal training partner or are sometimes harder with me, you know? Like, I had training partners at my old gym that I was able to compete with them to the point that they were so proud that they would bring in their friends to get beat up by me kind of thing, or, or I would be their main training partner for most things, and they're like, no, nobody else is a better training partner. I'll just keep going with you. And to know that that's the case was just proud moments for me. Yeah, that's always awesome. That's that's a, that's. That's an awesome, like, you know, oh, wow, self-satisfaction. Right, exactly. I, exactly. I, I've worked to, you know, and I'm, I'm so respected, and I, I respect myself that much, but then other people do too. That's awesome. Right. Uh, I think Milan, the movie Milan always kind of hit me hard in that way. Like, I, I just love that movie because of that whole, like, feeling that goes on throughout it. Oh, the the Disney movie? Yeah, yeah, they're yes, cartoons. I used to love yes. that. Yeah. I haven't heard that one in a long time, but yeah, <laughs> God, I loved that. She was awesome. Mm-hmm. The All Make a Man Out of You song. I always was just like, it still gets me hyped up to this day. Like, yeah. I'll listen to it and be like, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, such a good movie. Such a good one for girls, like young girls yeah. seeing coming up. It's so, so, so good. So has there been... um. What, what has been your, your challenge when dealing with fear and how do you overcome it? Um, so for me, uh, especially in the realm of religion, uh, it has helped me overcome fear or at the basis not even have fear kind of thing. You know, there's, uh, there's the whole God is within her, she shall not fear uh, Psalm, and I think it's Psalm 46, 5, something like that. I think that's right. Um, but anyway, like the whole, if I believe in him, I don't feel like there's anything for me to fear because my ultimate goals are to inspire people and make it to the end of my life on the right side of things. And you know, on my path there, I just try to make sure I stay on that straight and narrow and don't let any negativity influence me while at the same time trying to always be a positive influence to others. I want to be that inspiration to people. I never want someone to say, yeah, she was a mean person or she did this bad thing or she was lazy, anything negative. And when people do have anything negative to say about me or if I heard it in third person, I'm like, why? Where did this come from? What did I do? Because I want to fix that. Mm -hmm. Um, I never want that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, unfortunately, people just want to hurt you once you get successful or jealous or whatever else. And I've had to learn hard lessons from that and sadly had to, you know, break ties with people or mm-hmm. things of that sort when that kind of negativity starts happening. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I try not to fear anything. My dad always says that there is doubt, there is no doubt. Um, so if I doubt a decision I'm about to make, it means I probably have an intuition that it's wrong or bad. Um, so don't do it. That doesn't mean don't make tough decisions. Uh, if there's a tough decision, go for it if you know the steps to get there are right. But if everything to get there is cheating or trying to do something that's not really possible, it's going to hurt others, then don't even do it. Um, and so for me, I don't, 
have fear to do anything. Um, I go after it with goals and make sure everything's possible. Like even going into that cage, I have people all the time, well, aren't you scared? Aren't you worried about if you lose this and that? I'm like, no, I have confidence. Every time I walk into that cage, I think I'm going to win. Whether I win or lose, I have that confidence. And I'm definitely not scared. Like I said, I practice with guys who are going to hurt me worse than this girl ever will. I've never had a worry that I was going to get beat up in terms of getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's good to have that confidence for anybody. I've always told people that I've cornered or partnered with, if you're worried you're going to lose the fight, don't take the fight if you legit are like, oh, I'm going to lose. I need to just find a way to win. That's stupid. That's a bad mindset to do anything in life. You go into it thinking you're going to fail. There's no point. But if you go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be hard, like there's an option that I could win or lose, then make it hard. Work your butt off until you don't see it as hard anymore. Um, So the whole Fear the Maverick thing, like I can't even remember how that nickname got started, but it's really grown on me and gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, I don't fear things. They can fear me if they want to. Um, But I have my faith centered and I have everything to where I need to be to not be worried or scared or nervous walking into that cage. And I'm so calm and collected every time I go out there that it's almost funny. Like I hear the commentators, oh, she's so stoic. She's so calm. And I'm like, yeah, because what's the reason to be nervous? I've already done all the work I need to. There's no sense in being jittery or nervous about it. What's going to happen is going to happen. Wow, that's really great. So you you attribute a lot of it to your your belief and your faith in God, and He gives yes. you the strength. He gives you the strength to to overcome the fears. Correct. If, if there were any, any right. Comes right. Up. Interesting. That's that's. I mean, that's the way to look at it. You got to have it from someplace, you know, that's inside you but outside you. Which God, you just call in and. Right, exactly. And I just feel like uh, anytime I need it, that support is there. Yeah, that's, you know, that's wise to have that at such a young age. I don't think, um, you know, you don't see that too much in our culture that that our youth are calling, you know, say God in. I think they're kind of putting them out there, you know, it's it's something that's external from from ourselves or whatever. And I, I think, um, you know, that sets you apart from, yeah. you know, your peers or your, I mean, do you think it sets you apart from, from kids your age or, you know, uh, most of them, you know, a lot of people, um, it's really sad for me to say, and I know it's not true of the whole population or anything of that sort, but a lot of kids nowadays have no rock. They have no foundation to base their goals or their life or their values off of. You see a lot of people that just don't have much of a moral standing. They don't believe in certain values or any values for that matter, other than the whole entitlement factor or, well, I believe in myself and I'll do what I want to do. Well, that's not, where's that going to get you? Like, are you going to have people in your life that care about you in the end? Are you going to be able to turn around and say, I made a positive influence on people if all you do is ever think about yourself? Like I see a lot of my life as being selfish right now, but it's all for goals of future support. You know, like I I moved out to Virginia to get my PhD. I'm obviously not helping 
my family out as much as I could be right now. I'm not around them or able to homeschool my siblings or be at their wrestling tournaments because I'm out here trying to make my own living, trying to make my own future. But they're still in my mind and I'm still planning on going back. I still try to help out at home and be a good influence, all that stuff. Uh, but I see God as my sinner for all of it. I see him as a way for me to set my goals. And for me, everyone can say that they know the difference between right and wrong and they'll stay on the straight and narrow of right and wrong. But it's kind of like having policemen around. God is kind of my policeman in terms of my values, I guess. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start trying to stray down the wrong path, I'm like, oh, my conscience pulls me back. Like that Holy Spirit, as I believe, is in my head telling me to turn back. Mm-hmm. Um, to where for others, it's just, well, I know right and wrong. Like when I decide to do right and decide to do wrong, I'll do that. Well, who's to say it's right or who's to say it's wrong? Just your own judgment. People aren't always good. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you known to be good? Or when people people lie a lot nowadays, oh. they're like, yeah, I lied to my parents about this and that. I'm like, you did what? Yeah. First off, I guess I had enough fear of my dad and respect growing up. How would I dare lie to him about some of the things that these people lie about? Like They're living fake lives that no one knows who they are. Not all, of course, but a lot are. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with having no center faith or center any kind of leadership around them or central figure. We were talking about the fathers with these daughters. My dad's a lot of that for me. He's the one I go to for advice. When kids can't find someone other than their own pain-in-the-butt friends to go talk to about problems and things, it causes more problems. Yeah, because they they actually don't have any world ex- or life experience where you you if you go Correct. to an elder, a father or somebody or a grandparent or somebody who has some life experience, you can get you know some, uh you know some depending on how they lead their lives, of course, but like right. some good information and some guidance. Exactly. And then do- and that's another whole problem. These people have their friends and stuff. Does anyone really know at my age what a true friend is? Like, there's very few out there that actually care about you. And I've realized that, especially through having a fight career and stuff. Yeah. Um, I moved. I moved to Virginia. I moved away from my team, the people who were like, oh, she's my family. Like, she's my sister. She's this and that. Guess what? You really learn who wants to stick with you when you have a loss, a tough loss. And people, you discover, oh, they were just there because I was winning fights? Cool. Don't like you much either. Or, oh, they were just there because I could help them? I see. All right. I get that. Um, And it's always, it's usually some motive that people are hanging around you. You're either helping them Mm -hmm. or you're benefiting them in some way. And even for me, and once you get up to any kind of high ranking in anything, People want to be your friend because success surrounds you. Right. And if success surrounds you, they figure that they'll either get a piece of that or be able to brag to others, oh, so-and-so is my friend. I know so-and-so. Do you know so-and-so? Oh, well, then you aren't as good as me. And that kind of thing. And I'm not even quite to that level, but I see it around me. And I've seen it with certain people. Amazing, Miranda. For such a young woman, you have such wisdom and and, um, knowledge. Like, um, knowledge in a good way, universal knowledge, which um, I'm, I'm sure that you share with uh, your family, your friends, people that are the closest to you. I'm wondering, you know, uh, 
two, what is your why? Why do you do the things? Because I, I suspect that, that you have, you know, delved inside yourself to figure out, okay, this is my mission. This is what I'm, this is my purpose. This is where I'm going. I have God in my back, you know, like God's got me, my dad's got me, my family's got me. I have such confidence and all that, but there, there must be some like, um, force within you that keeps you centered too, as well as all that, that is personal to you. And um, I wonder, I can't help but wonder what that is and, and how yeah. at such a young age that age that you can, you know, get that, like you, you, you got that. We're well, so, I appreciate that. With this. Thank you for <laughs> your lives. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll try to uh, self-analyze myself as much as I can on here. Of course I have private things, but, um, <coughs> excuse me, let me get a drink real quick. Sure. Um, so for me, first off, we go back to those goals. Um, my dad, as I've talked about, has struggled a lot of his life. And for me, I want to be able to be part of that because the whole strong, independent woman thing, I think, is just inside of me to the point that I want to be able to show that I am able to walk on my own and help others, too. I want to be able to be that difference. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be that person to break stereotypes because I see what it does for people. Mm -hmm. I see what it does for myself. Every time that I walk out in that cage, I have so many kids and stuff that run up to me and want to take pictures and things. And that feeling is beyond all others. It's beyond getting my hand raised in that cage. It's beyond, um, you know, it's beyond winning the fight. It's this warm feeling that you get inside your heart that just makes you want to cry as soon as you think about it about how you might be changing these people's lives like whether it be one person that I might have influenced if I was able to make this one girl be able to let's say start training martial arts and protect herself in a bad situation then I just made my life worth something uh, and that's what I feel like I want to be able to reach any purpose in life that was the potential for me to reach um, and I want to make sure that at the same time, I'm keeping myself in a good light to where they can look up to me. I want to be that kid's coach from back home that the parents still reach out to and say, hey, so-and-so was thinking about you the other day. She just wanted to say hi and she misses you. Like That's such a sweet feeling and it literally makes me so like emotional and happy to think about that. Um, and I think that's where kind of that central goal is. Like for me, I want to be able to build onto my parents' property. I want to be able to um, go up to my dad and say, look, this is what I've accomplished. And I want to tell you that it's because of you. You've always been a positive influence in my life. And I hope I've been the same light for you and for others that you've been for me. And so from a young age, I guess he along with other mentors in my life, it's not just been my dad, it's been uh, coaches that I've had, like uh, Brett Welcome, I just find him to be a good person and a good human being that's been a good light for me, and training partners I've had that are still my best friends that I talk to that have lived their life well and tried their best, um, and uh, for my own siblings, I want to be someone's light in the same way that my dad has been for me, to where he's tried to right his wrongs in life by disallowing me to have those same mistakes 
while also teaching me how to not make any more mistakes and teaching me how to keep my life focused on God. And I realize that a lot of people are religious and that's fine. And I'm not trying to force anybody ever to go believe in God or go read the Bible or whatever. But I ask them to look inside themselves and like see something good they can do and see if they can be an inspiration in other people's lives. Like, this is my thing. I believe in God. That'll never change. Like, there's no arguing about that. It's something I have inside me. Um, and I believe in my family. I believe that we'll always be connected. I have a very close, uh, close relationship with my father and I believe my two siblings as well. And I hope that will always stay the same. And I want to just have, I want that in and of itself to be a representation that I can put forth out there. And it's hard to even look within myself and see what really drives me other than that. Like these, these future goals for me and my inside cares and desires um, as far as being good and being able to see others do good. Like I had a girl come up to me and ask me last year if she could dress up as me for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? Like I'm a nobody still, you know what I mean? I was like, I cannot be dressed up as an MMA fighter. No, I want your shirt and your belt. I want to be Miranda Maverick. And I was like, wow. To think back three years ago and think that there would be somebody wanting to be me, wanting to dress up as me, wanting to represent my name, to have people hear Miranda Maverick and like smile or be like, wow, yeah, I know her. She does this and that. She's a good person. Like, that was just so huge for me. And I guess that's where ego gets in the way. That's just such a pride point for me to be able to say, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not liked necessarily. I'm respected. Uh, people want to be like me. People are inspired. Um, and it just, it makes me emotional to even think about, but that's the ultimate goal. If I, in any aspect of life, if I can make people believe that or want to feel that way, great. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, family is so important and then inspiring others. I mean, I think that's why we're here. <laughs> you know? I do too. And, and uh, uh, that, that gets me on another, work. that gets me on another field of things. Cause I don't want to make people think it's just in sports or entertainment that you can do that. I had somebody, I went to the cowboy fight series this past week um, and got to meet cowboy Cerrone and got to meet a lot of the local fighters in the local mm -hmm. crowd in Virginia. And they brought me into the cage and introduced me, which was a help to my career alone. Just being in Virginia, like nobody really knows me too well out here unless they really follow MMA and stuff. And, um, this guy came up to me, I was actually running fighters. So like doing a menial job that they usually ask little high schoolers and stuff to do for free. Mm -hmm. And I was bringing the fighters up from the back and bringing them to the front, helping whatever I could do. And a guy came up to me and he's like, I had no idea that you were in anybody. And I was like, well, thanks, I guess. And he was like, it's just very humbling to see you do that. And I had a conversation with him about life for like, I don't know, we probably ended up talking for 20, 30 minutes. Nice. And it got to the idea of, I'm nobody special. Like these people who go out and work day-to-day -day lives who are providing for their family, these these military veterans that leave their families to go protect our lives, they're the heroes. They're not getting blasted on UFC fight pass or advertised on social media much, but they really are. Mm -hmm. And people, I hear, I hear any negative words about that stuff. They're like, well, they just couldn't make it in academics or this and that. So they decided to join the military. I'm like, 
but did you join the military? Are you out there like putting your life on the line? No. So please shut your mouth. Like don't be disrespectful. You don't even know these people. So don't be assuming or attributing something negative to a population that you can't even live up to. Um, and we kind of talked about that. Like I just happen to be in a field of entertainment to where I'm recognized more than a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. These people who are providing for kids at home, these kids who are being inspiration to their children just by getting in their vehicle and making their way to work every day, like they're to be respected too. And I feel like we forget that unfortunately a lot. Yeah. I, I think you, I couldn't have said it better, Miranda. You totally are on point about that for sure. Um, so what, um, how about a few, <laughs> What are your, your goals for the next three years in personal or, or, or business? Uh, so next three years, um, I am wanting to purchase and or help purchase a piece of property near my home. That's one of my goals, or at least start the process of it. Um, and, and in doing so, I plan on having enough money to get there. And the way to do that is one, graduate with my PhD from Old Dominion University, hopefully defend my dissertation by then. It might be a little bit longer, like three and a half to four years right now, uh, just because the dissertation defending itself takes a while and I have three and a half years left of school. Um, but doing that, um, and hopefully, I see myself pretty soon being able to reach that title in Invicta. And if I don't reach that title in Invicta, I'm hoping it's because I get picked up before then by let's just say a bigger promotion <laughs> and uh, hopefully get to that point and get within the top ranking of the flyweight division if not the very top and be fighting my way for that by the time I'm 24 which I still don't see as being my peak I still see myself as growing at that point and I want that to be another another stereotype I break I've always had people my whole entire life, and I guess this is another core thing for me that pushes me to do better, say I was too young. <laughs> say you can't do that. You're too young. You can't do it that fast. That's too fast. Nobody else has done that. You can't do that. Mm. Um, when I got through school faster than I technically should have, Everybody, my junior year, I went to Drury University and checked it out, just visited the college. I was trying to see if I was going to go there. Like, I didn't know if I was going to get scholarships yet, but my thing was I was going to work through college, go to a community college as I had to. Um, but my dad was like, nah, you need to get scholarships. And I did. I ended up getting a full ride to basically anywhere I wanted, which was an amazing opportunity to me. Mm -hmm. um, but went to Drew University and this one professor who I will always look up to, her name is Vicki Luttrell, everyone else, every college I visited, everything, my, my own friends, my guidance counselors at school, even teachers were like, you're not going to be able to graduate within three years. Like that's goofy. Like take the dual credit classes here. You're still going to have to do the full four years. You're going to do this, especially if you're doing sports, it's going to take you forever. Like you're never going to do that. And this one professor, Vicki Luttrell, sat down and made a three-year plan with me, sat down, had a life conversation, and that three-year plan to this day is the one that I graduated with at Drury University, including a whole other major I added on to it. Wow. I did a double major, graduated not at the top of my class, but I was in the top 10%. 
I actually walked down the uh, the uh, runway or whatever with my purple belt wow. on my back from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as I graduated. I was like, yep, I'm going to do that because this thing took me a lot of work. Wow. Um, and graduated within three years, applied to graduate school, and once again, you aren't going to be able to do an MMA fight and take graduate school. You aren't going to be able to do that. You're 21 years old. You're not going to be able to move out to Virginia on your own and do this. Um, and I was like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. You're not going to be able to turn pro by the time you're 19. Yes, I am. Yes, I did. Not only did I turn pro, I got an Invicta as a pro, which was not by my own accord. Uh, Shannon Knapp's the one who called me. I have support system. I'm not saying I did any of that on my own, but it happened. And once again, I prayed for those kind of things to happen. I prayed for knowledge. I prayed for strength. I prayed for all of that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the reason everything has been the way it is. Mm. Um, and it's just been a huge, amazing journey. And I hope the next three to five years see me even farther along. Wow. That's, I mean, like, I'm just listening to you for, for you know, and once again, young girl doing all this and has such focus and determination too. Um, you know, there's this thing, the law of attraction and, and I can't help but think that it's, you know, you're, you're drawing it to you, drawing the things that you want to you and through, through prayer, through um, a positive mental attitude and it's just great to, to see and to hear. And, you know, for people that are going to listen to this podcast and yeah. hear such a young woman speak with like just such conviction about what she's doing and she's accomplishing it. Um, years ago when Ronda Rousey was speaking about, you know, her and she said, I'm unapologetic. And people, yep. you know, like women would like, ugh. like, I, I, I remember this. You might not remember this, but I do. I experienced this where people are like, oh, she's so arrogant or she's so this or that. Where if a man said these things, it would be fine. But for women to be saying it in the way that you are, it's not arrogance. It's just, it's a matter of fact. It's like, why can't I have these things in my life if I work for them? And these are, this is how I want to live my life. It's like, there's nothing wrong with that, especially being a woman and doing these things. So yeah. I hear that in you as you, you sit there. But I, I know back when I was in my 20s, I didn't, I mean, my options were either maybe become a hairdresser, <laughs> or, which is nothing wrong with that, or, or, or become a nurse or a school teacher. Those were the things that were around me or get married. And, and have a husband right. you know, and, and that's the push and that's still the push and unfortunately that's how a lot of people are raised I was always and there's nothing wrong with it once again but I was always raised to like look around and see these people oh you need to get married oh look at so and so with their cute little boyfriend and stuff I'm 21 I still don't have time for that like I I don't want that I'm living my own life and to be honest I haven't found anybody with enough ambition or drive Mm. or that could put up with my mental wanting to talk all the time kind of thing that I would even want to be in a relationship right now, uh, which is kind of sad, but I think my dad kind of made it that way, and I tell people all the time, and this is just reality, because of the high expectations I have for myself, I hold others to a high regard too, and sometimes it makes it hard to get along with people in a close way. Mm. Uh, but I would rather it be that way than me be settling for something I wasn't happy with or something that didn't fit into my values. 
and that's just the way it is. And I hope to push my sister, not necessarily the same route that I do, but to have the same mindset as an awareness and things like that. Because when you let things go, that's when bad things happen. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's that, that so accurate in saying that, because it is true that, that, that does go that way. So circling back to your fight that's coming up in, in, um, I'd say like 15 days. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, um, do you have any thought? I mean, how do you feel like you match up with Deanna? Um, I feel like it's a great fight for me, Mm -hmm. honestly. Um, I was pretty excited to hear that bout and everything. She's a UFC vet. It looks good for me. I'm going to be a big underdog coming into this fight. Uh, I already know that. Topology says that. Like, I, I'm aware that that's the case. Um, but I have a lot of fans out there, too. It's exciting. They kind of – it's exciting when Invicta posts something and everybody's like, oh, Maverick's going to take it, this and that. And I'm like, yay, you know. It's good. I have some people out there having some faith in me. But for me, I watch her fights, and I know her as a person. She's actually a super nice woman. She's already defended me, like, twice on social media since our fights got announced, and that just makes me so happy uh, because I'm not one of those people that dislikes my opponents. When I get in a cage, yeah, it's on, but I still don't hate that person. Like, I go in there thinking of them as an it. I see them as a door in the way of my future kind of thing and just try to win the fight, and once that's over with, we can be friends. I don't care. And she just seems like a super nice person, and I respect her in every way. Like, a lot of these women that I either have fought or am in line to fight have been my inspiration for years. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm younger than most of them, and, like, for me, seeing them, when I went to my first Invicta, I was this goofy fangirl. I literally got there and wanted everybody to sign my stuff. Like, I was so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, look, it's Sarah McMahon over there. Like, all these women that I had always just been like, oh, my God. And now I'm on that same level. And that was a reality that I had to come to accept after that first Invicta fight. I was like, wow. Like, I'm a colleague now. I'm not some fangirl or teenager watching on TV. Um, So for Deanna Bennett's fight, like, I feel prepared. I really do. Um, I feel like in every position, I am stronger. I'm younger, which helps with my cardio. I've been focusing on that as being a big strength for me this fight. Mm -hmm. I feel like she's bullied around a lot of the people that she's beat, Mm -hmm. and I'm not a person to be bullied around. Um, I am stronger, I feel like, both physically and mentally, and when the push comes to shove, I want to shove harder back. Um, And for me, she... I know this doesn't always mean anything, but she's won almost all of her fights by decision. I'm a finisher. I finish my fights. I go after that win when I see it. And I feel like this is going to be the same way. It could be a decision, but I hope it's not. I have this mission game to finish it in submission. I've been working my striking here for the past six months. Mm -hmm. I've been going to the house of Muay Thai in Virginia. And my power striking and speed striking has improved more than it has improved in my entire career as a fighter I would say in these past six months so I'm ready to go in there and wherever that fight goes I feel like I'll be 10% better very cool so do you have any uh parting words or like um you know remind fans where they can find you maybe on social media anything about your sponsors any shout outs or anything like that I'll actually do all that real quick um uh, for one, uh, please follow me on social media if you guys don't already. It's Twitter at Fear the Maverick, 
uh, Instagram at Fear the Maverick underscore SFC MMA. Or you can go on Facebook and follow my page, Miranda Fear the Maverick. Um, basically, if you look up my name, Miranda Maverick, you'll find me on all of it. I'm kind of the only one out there. It's pretty obvious. Um, also, if you don't mind, follow my gyms, uh, Springfield Fight Club in Springfield, Missouri, and now the House of Muay Thai in Norfolk, Virginia. Please go follow both of them. And I would like to thank my sponsors. Uh, especially Victory Beef. They've been kind of a supporter since the beginning and been super nice to me. Uh, Swole Foods has also helped get my nutrition in line. Supplement Superstores, um, who he's actually in charge of my whole diet plan and weight cut leading up to the fights. Um, and I'm hopefully going to have a lot more sponsors joining me soon. Uh, one of them is Basic Marketing. Uh, he's actually driving, coming all the way from Norfolk, Virginia to go watch my fight in Kansas City, Missouri. So he's been a huge supporter leading up to my fight as well. Um, and if you guys know of any other sponsors or anybody who would like to support me uh, before it's harder to do so, please let me know. Will do. So I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing, uh, you know, so much about you where listeners can get to learn about Miranda Maverick. Um, you're such an inspiration at such a young age. I, I think, um, you know, with you going to school, you're getting your PhD, plus you're in, I mean, you're in the cage at Invicta, you know, on the 15th. People can watch you at Invicta FC 34 on Fight Pass. Um, and really see you as, as the true warrior that you are, not just in the cage, but outside the cage too. It was great having you on the show and great learning more about you, Miranda. I really enjoy, I can't wait to see you fight again. Thank you. I really appreciate the kind of personable interview. This is definitely a different format than what I used to. I appreciate being able to kind of just talk about it. Well, there's so much, there's so much interesting aspects about the fighters that people don't know about. And I don't think, uh, you know, most of the, the podcasts or interviews get into all that. And you women do so many other things outside of the cage too. Your lives are so interesting. And I think they'll help um, other women coming up by hearing your stories and, and, and saying, oh my gosh, she's like me. I could do that. Even if they don't get like, you know, the, the support that they, you know, women that don't have the support of family background, um, they could say, okay, I'm going to somehow envision, you know, a daddy figure in, in my life that is supporting me. And then I can talk to mentally somehow or find that external. Because exactly. I, I mean, I'm fascinated by that because more and more times I've come up against listening, you know, to successful women. It's not just in the fight fight game. I've women that are out there like um, I know a woman that does construction. Her dad's behind her and she started her own construction business and she's building luxury homes. I mean, like it's crazy. And she's been and she did it like I mean, she's my age. She did it years ago when it was not like at all, you know, open to her and she's very okay. successful. And so when I see this in, in young women like yourself, I'm, I'm like, this is exciting. This is great to hear your, the full spectrum of who you are, Miranda. I think it's awesome. And, and thank, uh, thank you. you for coming. Thank you for agreeing to come on the show. I'll look forward to speaking with you again. I still have more questions for you, but we've been on for, I think about an hour and a half almost. And I'm sure you have things to do today and, um, I'll, uh, you know, getting back to training and, and all that. But um, uh, I look forward to seeing you fight and once again, having you back on the show again in the near future. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. You have a great day too. 
All right. Thanks. Bye-bye, Miranda. Bye. Good luck. Good luck in your fight, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, wow, that was a great interview with Miranda. Fear the Maverick. Oh, man, she was just, for such a young age, what an inspirational young woman. Um, just really knows her path, knows what she's doing. Um, you know, the, just, I'm, I'm kind of like speechless on this because I'm like, wow, if, if more women and more men for that matter at that young of age had that much focus on what they would accomplish in such a short period of time, how, how much would the world change? Really? I mean, like, think about it. Um, I think a lot of, you know, for women's growth and maturity and, uh, them coming into the fullness of who they are, having a strong father figure um, in the background there, um, that support. So you daddies out there, if you have a daughter, you really got to be there for her and guide her and help build her character, just the same as you would your sons. It's, I mean, when you see the success path of women that have that in their lives, how far they go, you know, and what they succeed in. It's, it's so important, the influence of a father figure. And um, the more and more I do these interviews and the women that come up who have had that, it just, it rings true. So if you like what you heard today and are eager to hear more, remember to subscribe download on iTunes and please you know give us a review let us know how we're doing um, you know it helps people find the show and remember you can listen while doing other things and you can find us on Podomatic Shout Engine and Spotify at Evolve Women's MMA or if you prefer to watch you know you can find us on uh, YouTube at women's mma here we go again women's mma all women's mma just you know type it in and you can find us um you can also check out my blog too um at evolvewmma.com or you can simply follow us at facebook.com backslash i love wmma this is shelly divine until next time thanks for listening